We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host, Nick Bellato. And tonight we are going to continue our early draft profile series. Throughout this series, we started it in January. It's now February. We're still months away from the draft. Our evaluations will change. We're not going to wrap it up on any of these prospects. We will continue to watch more film and study more um, analytics and things of that nature on every single prospect we'll go over. But we want to give an early look, an early outlook based on film study that both Nick and I have done now that especially I am a member of a little secret of the industry. I'm not going to share it here just in case I'm not allowed to. I haven't actually okayed this with Nick, but but the bottom line is we both have our hands on a lot of all 22 from a lot of different college kids and a lot of different prospects in schools. And so we had an opportunity to even more so dive into this tape. Nick has some other sources. People have reached out to him via DM and dropped some college tape. I want that too. Whoever you are, Getting in Nick's DMs, dropping college tape, all 22. Send it to me as well. I want in on that. But with that said, we're going to take a turn tonight to a player who I think will be and should be on the Giants' radar at 11 overall. That's probably the first of any player we've talked about throughout this draft series yet that either Nick or I, and I'll find out soon if Nick is on board with it, are even considering with the 11th overall pick. All the other pro, uh, prospects we profile, we'd either, we'd either want via trade down or some we didn't want at all in round one. But this is a player I think we're both going to settle in on as one of the best overall prospects, regardless of position in the class. At least that's how I feel, so I'll kick it off with that. It's Kyle Pitts, tight end if you want to call him that, out of Florida. So Nick, let's start with Pitts. Let's start there. Were you as enthused as I was watching Pitts move around the football field and make plays? 
Yeah, I mean, he's just a very fluid athlete for someone of his size. He's about six foot five. Some list him at six six. Looks more like a six foot five tight end who's about two hundred and forty pounds, two hundred thirty nine pounds. But the way Dan Mullen used him at Florida was really creative. They utilized him as the number three receiver. They would kick him out to the boundary. He'd be the backside receiver on three by one sets, and he just does so many things so remarkably for a man of his size especially because he was a tight end he was able to win at the line of scrimmage using different releases and all of these things that you do not typically associate with a tight end and his ability as a receiver cannot be understated now it's not just oh can he catch the football can he catch the football through traffic it was the rapport that he had with Kyle Trask it was his ability to adjust to the football his ability to be incredibly balanced to use concentration through really really tight windows to secure really tough passes on these quick slants on these quick curls something that the Giants do a lot of as well it was a uh, very very remarkable to see him as a downfield threat as well be able to jump up with that incredible catch radius high point the football secure it into his gigantic frame and I can't say enough good things about the receiving side of him. I guess if you want to throw cold water on it, is he was not going to be the if he's drafted by the Giants, he won't be the fastest tight end on the Giants. He's probably like a four six type athlete. He's not going to be like an Evan Ingram. But with that said, he is far superior to Evan Ingram in just about everything, and he's still in college right now. Yeah, those aren't comparable players to me at all. I remember when. Evan Ingram first came out into the NFL in the draft. Some people basically said you're essentially getting a a potential Mike Evans in Evan Ingram. That I have not seen at all. (laughs) We are now years into this experiment. He doesn't do anything like Evans. He doesn't high catch balls like Evans. He doesn't have strong hands like Evans. He's not a route runner like Evans. He doesn't adjust in air to catches like Evans. Um, But guess who does? Kyle Pitts. So I want to start with traits and then I want to talk about production. In both areas, Kyle Pitts is absolutely elite. So if we do settle in on the Giants not taking Pitts, or those of you who are listening or say, I won't take Pitts, it's probably only going to be because he has that tight end designation next to his name, and people refuse to take tight ends early. People are scared as hell of taking tight ends early. But this is more Mike Evans to me, because basically when they compared Ingram to Evans, Nick, they were essentially telling us, even if Ingram doesn't eventually work out as a blocker or an inline guy, he's at worst going to be able to win on the outside as a receiver like a Mike Evans type. It's like you're basically getting a Mike Evans who can block better. But that never happened with Ingram because it was kind of just all fugazi. I mean, if you actually watch the, the film on Ingram, he was never refined as a route runner. He had terrible hand. He has terrible hands, and he's not really great at adjusting to catches. He doesn't really have... Uh, he's not really... Um, he's not strong at the fluid. catch point. He's really weak at the catch point. Now let's start with traits on Pitt because... I want to talk about the elite traits, and I want to talk about the less elite traits. So I actually think the route running is just a notch below elite with Pitts, but as far as tight ends goes, I mean, it really is truly elite. But if you're going to consider him what we should consider him, which is a receiver, because if the Giants are going to draft Pitts, they better have him detached from the formation a lot. They better have him lined up in different ways, like you said, like Dan Mullen did at Florida, to get him on the outside. I mean, you watch the reps of him, and he's beating corners on slants. He's literally lined up against a corner and beating them on slants. But that trait is definitely good, the route running, but the two elite traits, and I always look for elite traits when I'm looking for prospects in the top 10 or really 11 overall, are one, strength catch strength at the catch point in overall hands, and then two, that body control in the air and that ability to adjust to the football 
in the air. And when you consider those things, those are the two things I look for most in a wide receiver. Why is DeAndre Hopkins so good? Why is, if you look across the NFL, even guys like Adam Thielen, people don't understand how a guy like Adam Thielen can rise to the top. It's because we're all looking for the wrong things, in my opinion, at receiver. Everybody's so swayed by speed and size and just the numbers, the sheer numbers from the combine. What can this guy do after the catch? How explosive is he? How fast is he? Part of the position is catching the football and and part of the position is adjusting to the football on throws that aren't going to be pinpoint and i think pitts can do both of those with the best of them in this entire class really yeah and he showed that throughout florida and i think kyle trask is going to come into the league and be a solid backup maybe somebody you don't want to be your starting quarterback but he still put the football within the vicinity of kyle pitts to every level of the field short intermediate and deep and pitts always adjusted to it very very well secured it with those really really strong hands and to touch on the route running that you were bringing up, I mean, I think he showed exceptional feet and hips for a man of his size as a route runner. You could see him sink his hips at the line of scrimmage, yes. you know, jab step with his outside foot, get the cornerback's hips open towards that direction, and then explode off that same outside foot back inside on those quick slants. And then he uses his body really, really well to shield the defender from being able to get to the catch point because he has that incredibly long frame, catches the ball away from that frame. All the things that you want from a receiver he possesses. Now, if we're going to bring up those things that aren't as desirable, I think the speed at 4'6", 240 pounds, we're, we're just projecting 4'6", he could run a 4'5", five, five, but just looking at the games on tape, it doesn't really seem like he's overly fast and is always going to consistently create separation just purely off of his athletic ability. But I think the nuance that he has at the line of scrimmage within his route tree, because he ran several different routes in Dan Mullen's offense, I think he's still not going to struggle with creating separation at the NFL because he's able to do it in so many different ways. And he's not a liability as an athlete. I just want to be fair to kind of paint the overall picture about him. He doesn't have the time speed that maybe Evan Ingram has, but he has basically every other aspect of playing a tight end over Ingram other than blocking, which we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah, I actually think he, I know you, we'll get into that because I know you had some concerns there. I think he's already a better blocker than Ingram personally. I actually thought I saw some pretty good examples of him doing his decent job blocking not great you must have decent. watched 2020 right i watched 2020 yeah, yeah yeah he so he came along well now i think it's hard to say that he's already better than ingram because he's going up against you know 18 19 20 year olds true, true. but I, I think he's a willing blocker and i know a lot of giant fans are gonna you know correlate that to evan ingram and i think he showed strides in 2020 but when he pulls in space he looks somewhat lost yeah he, he's not really great in, in those type of things. I think in base block situations on the backside, he can hold up, lock out, and he's not going to be a complete liability in those in those aspects of the game. But if you're drafting Kyle Pitts, you're not drafting him to yes. block. You're drafting him to be an offensive weapon. You're going to utilize him in that manner. Can he block? He can do it marginally to adequately, but that's not going to be a strength of his game. He's not going to come into the NFL and be a George Kittle and just absolutely dominate that from basically year two to three to four. It's going to be more of a project for someone like Kyle Pitts. And just like Ed said on the podcast that we had, Ed Smith, you know, physics. Physics is physics, and Kyle Pitts is somewhat lean and he's 240 pounds maybe tasked to block guys who are 275 and used to going up against tackles so you have to take that into account as well yeah he's not going to be that unicorn tight end and I, when I mean unicorn tight end I'm talking about the two-way guys the Rob Gronkowski and George Kittle and then stop full stop because that's it those are the only players in the NFL who are two-way tight ends and they're unicorns because 
they give you such an advantage on every single play because you can leave him in line and get an edge in the run game and they can run routes and contribute in the passing game he's not that but you're not drafting Kyle Pitts in my opinion to be that I know again Giants fans are going to be very hesitant to accept this kind of thing based on Evan Ingram but I think it's really important to hone in that these two are nothing alike Kyle Pitts and Evan Ingram when you watch them they're absolutely nothing alike Pitts is an excellent receiver he's nuanced in his route running like Nick says if you watch him when he sinks his hips he doesn't look like someone with a six foot five 240 pound frame and in that sense he reminds me a lot of what Ingram was supposed to be Mike Evans somebody who can win on the outside and all of the metrics back it up pro football focus has him averaging 4.9 yards per route run versus man coverage this year and he did it against high level corners there were times where multiple times per game where where Florida will line him up on the outside against a corner he beat him on slants he beat him on deep crossers he's beat he beat him on vertical routes some of those obviously he didn't get the most separation but all you have to do is throw the ball near him and with his catch radius strong hands and ability to adjust to the ball in the air You can make big plays out of it, even with not so perfect passes and not so perfect separation. But that that those kind of numbers stand out. 4.91 yards per route run against man coverage shows that he has the route running ability. That was the third third best uh, yards per route run of any player in the country, not tight end, any player in the country. And that's separation yards that he's referring to, not just routes run. Yes, and that is three. Uh, what was it almost two yards more than any tight end in the class but you don't even need to compare him to a tight end it's the third most of any receiver of any position I think part of what makes him so good against man coverage and so good at creating separation is that he was a former quarterback I really do believe that there's been a lot of people who played the game who I've talked to who have said to me that when you're a former quarterback going to the wide receiver position you see the field a little bit better you know how to get into certain spots and zone coverages you know how to read the defense a little better and find soft spots for your quarterback and I think that there's plenty of examples of Pitts doing that on the tape I saw. I watched him versus AM, I watched him versus Bama, and one other team that uh, from the SEC that I'm blanking on from his 2020 tape. And there were just some really fun examples. There was a time against AM where he ran a route to a flag route to the corner of the end zone, and Kyle Trask threw him a ball well behind him and underthrown, and he had to completely flip his hips around, adjust his body, and he almost made a ridiculous circus catch. And then two plays later, he dressed through him a crossing route way high he tipped the ball up in the air and was way over his hand and then had the ability and the athleticism to then catch his own tip pass and then in stride and then take it for a few more yards after the catch he to me is a really exceptional athlete i wanted to bring up one thing with you nick though i wanted to see what your thoughts are on this rich rebar are you aware of him i've heard of rich but i don't really i'm not too aware Rich Rebar is kind of an old school uh, fantasy guy. He's he's done a. I don't know who he's with right now. Actually, I should have known that, but I, I believe he's with established a run. If not, he's with Warren Sharp Football. And he, according to his, this is according to Rebar. According to his model, his uh, that he created, and this is for all tight end prospects since the 2000 cent. Uh, so, sorry, since the 2000 college season, Pitts ranks 15th in yards per game second or i'm sorry 15th in receptions per game second in yards per game first in receiving touchdowns per game he had a 17.9 yards per reception mark the highest among all tight ends ever with 40 plus receptions and a 27.9 td rate on receptions the second highest ever he said honestly (laughs) he said according to his model the only player that he compares favorably to is rob gronkowski from a production standpoint and that to me is like, whew, it just jumps off the page because you see the elite traits, but then you also have the production to back it up. 
Yeah, and the elite traits are definitely evident all throughout his tape, just with the subtleties that he brings to, say, on a 90-degree break, an in or an out type route, four to five yards. You can see him sink his hips. You see the subtle little push-off gives the flipper to just create that extra separation. Another reason why I think he had all that separation at the collegiate level was because when he was in line as a wide tight end, he's going up against these collegiate linebackers and safeties too. And I'm not trying to poo-poo what he was able to do against corners because he was able to create separation against them as well. And I think a lot of people are kind of going to overlook or maybe just pigeonhole him. because We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He's a tight end. They'll be like, oh yeah, he's a tight end, kind of a tweener. But I think these Mike Evans, Plaxico Burris type of comparisons, I'm not big on comparisons, but just big body receivers who used their body to their fullest advantage throughout their career. I think those type of receivers align more to what Pitts is and people shouldn't be so weary to draft him just because he has that tight end designation next to his name. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I want to get into a few more things. One, how he's gonna, how he could potentially fit in the Giants offense, how Jason Garrett might use him. I want to get into where you view him overall as a prospect in this class right now. I want to get into where, if you would take him with the 11th overall pick. But before we do any of that, Nick, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right, Nick. So I want to get your take on this. Maybe it's a hot take. Maybe it will be. Maybe it won't be. But there's some people I watch in this draft, and I can just see it. I see it, and I know it. And when I watch Kyle Pitts versus a lot of the the players I've watched so far, I haven't gotten to everyone. But when I watch Kyle Pitts, it really, I really get the feel like he's one of the four or five best prospects, regardless of position, 
in this draft class. And at the same time, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but I think he could very well be there at 11 overall because of the history of tight ends and how high of a bust rate it's been, how many failures there have been for first-round tight ends. Remember, you got guys like Ingram and Ebron who didn't, couldn't even hold a candle to Pitts from a route-running standpoint, a hand standpoint, and a body control standpoint. But I think that will kind of pigeonhole him a bit. Where do you view him over? Do you view him as one of these blue, blue, blue chip type prospects? Or you see enough holes in his game that you wouldn't be as convinced? No, I view him as a blue chip prospect. I don't see many holes in his game. The quote unquote holes that I see is just me pointing out things that that are going to be discussed in the draft room about a player like Kyle Pitts. But I do view him as a blue chip. I'm not... I haven't studied everybody in the draft quite yet for me to like say, oh, he's a top 10 player mm-hmm. of mine or anything like that, but it definitely looks like he could be in that area. And as for the pick at 11, if the Giants were to go in that direction, I think the word to describe how I would be feeling would be intrigued. I would be intrigued because you would know there would have to be a distinct plan on how they're going to utilize Kyle Pitts. And I think the, the even more intriguing part of that is if Evan Ingram is still on the team, how are they going to utilize both of those players heading into 2021? And then how does Caden Smith fit into all of that as well? I wouldn't be as convinced as you that they're going to have some good plan. I'm very, very low on this offensive coaching staff with Jason Garrett and it is what it is. He has to prove me different before I'm going to just well, that's change my, my that's mind. That's my point. I, I agree with you, but I would be intrigued because I would imagine that Joe Judge and this entire the entire organization, if they made this selection, they would have to have a plan in place. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued to see what that plan is. It doesn't mean it's going to succeed necessarily, but it would still intrigue me. And I think it could appeal to the Giants from the standpoint of they like to use a lot of 12 personnel last year. They even mixed in some 13 personnel a decent amount with sometimes yeah. three tight ends all on the line of scrimmage. So in that sense, you might get the appeal to somebody like Jason Garrett who's like, I have worked this into my offense. It's part of what we do. And we can get a player like Kyle Pitts who can be on the field every down and we could run predominantly 12 personnel and let's see how our offense runs with it. It's interesting. That intrigues me. I'll say this. I'm not through all of my process, but I'm feeling decently confident that I'll end this thing thinking that both Pitts and Chase are two of the five best players in this draft and if they can get their hands on either of them I'm probably going to be down for it so right now at 11 if you tell me Kyle Pitts is the pick I'll sign up for that right now I would have my concerns about how he would be utilized in this offense I have major concerns about Jason Garrett as an offensive coordinator and those did not just go away because Dave Gettleman said they would or because you know he was retained for this season or whatnot yeah, I share I share those concerns as well. Dan. For sure. But uh wouldn't Kyle Pitts be so much better than Evan Ingram in the current role that Evan Ingram has mm-hmm. run? Like Kyle Pitts on the little quick slants and Kyle Pitts on those little five to six yard spacing curls on the spacing concepts that Jason Garrett loves to run, he would have a lot of success there because usually they're bang bang type plays where Evan Ingram's turning around facing Daniel Jones and the ball's already there and Evan Ingram cannot adjust to it. Kyle Pitts would be able to adjust to it. I think he would be a significant upgrade just in that facet of the game. He'd be absolutely an upgrade, even on just the slants for sure. I mean, those he would destroy. I mean, you watch him run a slant versus Evan Ingram running a slant and it's night and day. But the curls, I feel like those plays were somewhat of a product of just defenses seeing it too much and sitting on it. And I don't even know if a guy like Pitts can come fix that type of problem. That, to me, is more of a Garrett problem than anything else. And even to some extent, a Jones problem. There were times we saw on tape where Jones telegraphed where he was going to go on those quick-hitting curls. And 
they almost led to interceptions. None of them really did except for a couple, but they were very close. And so that's a problem I think that needs to be fixed from the top down. But I do agree there will be times where, you know, the ball's just not going to go through his hands or it's not going to hit off his hands and his helmet into the air for a game-changing interception because he's got strong hands at the catch point. He can flip his hips around faster than Ingram. He can control his body better and he can turn around to the ball faster. But hopefully if they did draft a guy like Pitts, they would use him a little bit more vertically as well because all you really have to do is throw the ball up and near him and he'll make big plays on the football because he's that good in the air. The matchup nightmare too between having Pitts and Ingram on your team. I think a lot of defenses, I know we look at Evan Ingram like, oh man, this guy's a scrub and he's not good. And there's a lot of merit to that, to be honest, because he had a really, really down year, but he's still an athlete that defensive coordinators have to look at and be like, we have to have an answer for him. We're going to need a hybrid type of safety linebacker to cover someone like that. And you roll out a personnel grouping with Evan Ingram and Kyle Pitts in it, then what exact what offense you or what defense are you putting out there as a defensive coordinator because if you want to be okay they're going to run the football because the giants have a smash mouth type of mentality and they're in a heavier personnel package then you bring your linebackers and your run thumpers in there but then you go and you spread kyle pitts out plus splits outside the numbers evan ingram in the slot with the other receiver on the back side and it's like okay now i'm going to need these linebackers to cover these guys in space it could create some massive nightmares from the, from the football schematic standpoint, which is really ultimately what got me so involved and interested in the sport, it feels like a dream come true, but I'm just so down on Ingram that I I honestly think if they just simplified, if they drafted someone like Pitts and they simplified things for Ingram and literally just had him running drags and, and no, I'm not kidding, drags and verticals. And this is actually the best plan for Evan Ingram. You put him on the field and he just run drags because if you have him on a drag and you get the ball to him and it clears out and he actually has space to run after the catch, that's how he makes big plays. And Or if you just use him as a, on a vertical up the seam, it'll clear out the defense and it'll take a safety over the top. And then you kind of just use him in that regard, either as a decoy or as kind of that second or third look in the progression on the drag. And if he catches it in space, maybe he can do something like he did in that Tampa game where he literally caught a drag and took it 70 yards for a score. We just became an air raid offense I mean, <laughs> on just this has, podcast. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's, <laughs> they, you can't have Evan Ingram stand, running four-yard curls and six-yard curls or and even slants. I don't even like to watch him run slants. He doesn't run a good slant. Well, it's because you need to win at the line of scrimmage and slant yes. when you're impressed. And that's something that Pitts did show, man. He really showed ability to release off the line of scrimmage in a variety of different ways, inside, outside, using different techniques to release off the line of scrimmage and to keep those defensive backs guessing. And you could see it on the film, man. When he would get split out and you would see that little cornerback on him, it's like, holy crap, look at the size mismatch <laughs> out there. It's because defensive coordinators in college didn't want to bump a linebacker out there or cover him in space because it's almost unfair to do that to a collegiate linebacker. So I think, obviously, everybody in the NFL is a much better athlete, but you're still going to have those mismatch uh, scenarios at the NFL level. He's still going to be a better athlete than some of these linebackers, and he's going to be bigger than a lot of these linebackers, and it's going to who are you going to have cover a guy like that? You're going to need like the Isaiah Simmons and the Jeremy Chins of the world to be kind of the matchup players for someone like Kyle Pitts. And I do love it from that standpoint. And I like the thought of it too. I'm definitely not opposed to selecting Kyle Pitts. I'm not sold on it either, but I can definitely see a path to where it would be successful. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. And you talk about athleticism and if he'll be more athletic than some players at the next level, but I think ultimately when it comes to that athleticism, it's a little bit overrated because guys can run a certain speed like an Evan Ingram and guys can jump a certain jump. But you look at somebody like Keenan Allen who 
would test horrendously if he had a combine right now, but gets open every single play. How does he get open? With route running, with nuances to his game. And that's something you see from Kyle Pitts. That's something you don't see from Evan Ingram. And ultimately, I'm going to take the guy who wins with nuanced route running. I'm going to take the guy who wins with strength at the catch point. I'm going to take the guy who wins with body control in the air and the ability to adjust and have just an insano catch radius it really is you watch this guy that we talked about it on the jc horn podcast but it's not like the only play you see it throughout his tape where they'll throw a ball to him kyle trask was not really that accurate in a lot of spots like i came away watching pitts because i focus in on pitts tony and trask i'm not very impressed with trask after watching a lot more of him he he's all right but uh that's not somebody i think is going to be like a mac he i don't even know such a bad offensive line to his, le- his left line. tackle was yeah. literally 2019 Nate Solder. it wasn't great <laughs> he didn't have any kind of great line and he had some brilliant moments for sure in his tape like he put some balls in awesome spots but there are times where I just look at it and I'm like oh my god where are you throwing to and what are you throwing yeah, I don't he see threw this ball against A&M into like triple coverage down the field and it was like a center field punt <laughs> a safety interception it was insane he doesn't have the zip on the ball. That's my well, biggest that's thing. He just doesn't thing. have that zip that you really want. It's just not necessarily desirable. Good athlete. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. Like He can definitely run and stuff like that. But this isn't about Kyle Trask. It's about his teammate, Kyle Pitts. And I'm sure you share the same sentiment as me, man. Like If this guy was a New York Giant, it would give you some excitement. Yeah, I, I just try to evaluate the player. I'm not worried. Like you said, I'm not worried about the position. I'm just looking for receiving skills mostly now. I've kind of converted my whole thoughts on the receivers. I'm now looking for size, catch radius, strong point, strong hands at the catch point, ability to adjust into your body in the air. I'm looking at all these receivers who stand out in the NFL, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen. None of these guys were combine warriors. DK Metcalf's about the only one. Uh, I mean, even him, like he had some concerns of the combine. Yeah, you're going to have like your Tyreek Hills, of course. But most of the best receivers are the ones who are the nuanced route runners, really good hands, and really good big catch radiuses. Another part of Pitt's game, too, that I love is yeah. his ability to make people miss with the football on his hand. Like, he can lower his shoulder and run people over, and he does that in college, but there are times where he hits the juke button and he jukes out defensive backs, and it's pretty impressive, man. I, I really do come away liking this kid. I just, uh, it, it makes me think about that 11th selection. Kyle Pitts, and then you have the Jalen Waddle, and I've watched Waddle, but I haven't gotten to his film and done my evaluation on him yet. I'm definitely going to get to that soon. And I think the question arises: Would you rather have that explosive, smaller type of athlete who has some injury baggage, like a Jalen Waddle, or would you want to go with the big-bodied receiver who doesn't have that elite explosive trait, but is just a good damn football player with all the receiving skills you need to go along with it? Yeah, it's a great question. That's what it's going to come down to. This is not going to be a question of Evan Ingram versus Kyle Pitts or anything mm-hmm. of that nature. Personally, I think Evan Ingram is on the way out with New York. He's not a good football player. Enough is enough. We can't keep digging into that well. Um, but it's just a matter of, like you said, do you want to put your money on, on adding speed to this offense on the outside with a undersized receiver like Smith or Waddle? Because um, those are probably going to be the two on the board. It's unlikely Chase will be on the board. If Chase is on the board, I think it's a slam dunk. You take him, you take him over Pitts even. But if it's not, and it is Waddle, Smith, or Pitts, that's what you got to ask yourself. And I think for Daniel Jones specifically, Pitts is a better fit than either of those two. Because Daniel Jones is somebody who is not always going, in my opinion, going to anticipate deep routes coming open. I think there's he's going to be a, a quarterback who does a lot better 
in that 15 to 25 yard range on back shoulder type throws a lot of what we saw him attempt last season especially within this Garrett offense there's just not doesn't seem to be that much open space down the field and some will blame that on the receiving core last year I'm going to blame it on the route combinations for the most part and so for me I think more immediate impact for Jones is getting him somebody who's really strong at the catch point really good with body control in the air and really good at making those 50-50 contested catch situations turn into big plays yeah I think it's interesting uh, I, I lean, like I don't really, I guess I should say I don't lean either way, but I'm not writing off the explosive type of athlete. Like, Me either, no. Yeah, and I know you aren't either, but I think just to stay within the Florida offense, you look at Kadarius Tony. Now imagine him with the New York Giants. Now that he's not being talked about in the first round, he's more of a pick 40 question mark, 43, I think it is now. It just keeps changing. But I did the draft network draft, and it was 43. Tankathon says 42, so we'll go with pick 43. And Kadarius Tony has the Tyreek Hill type of vibes. I think that gets thrown around all the time, but he has the ability where he gets the football in his hands. He is electrifying, and he hits a first, second, and third gear that just leave defenders in the dust. Those are other receiving options that the Giants would still probably need to get if they were to go with someone like Kyle Pitts. I still think you need someone who could take the top off the defense and someone who can be that explosive, oh, we hit him on a, on a screen and he took it to the house, which we saw a little bit from Darius Slayton. We saw it uh, when Greg Williams, Mr. Cover Zero himself, ran Cover Zero against the Giants when the Giants played the Jets and Darius Slayton on that fourth down took it to the house. But we just haven't seen, we didn't see that at all in Jason Garrett's offense. I think Slayton has really good speed but I do believe adding, if the Giants were to add someone like Tony or Waddle, that would really significantly help the offense as well, even though Jason Garrett is the play caller. Yeah, but you also then have to like ask yourself, at least in my mind, are you going to be able to get, and it's interesting because you might, There's like it's kind of like, what can you get at 43 or 42 or whatever the pick ends up being? And also, can you potentially trade back or create more picks in that range? Because if somebody like Rashad Bateman's going to be there on the board and just fall, and people said, you know, Denzel Mims will never fall, and then he fell. People said a lot of the Visha Chenault locked first round pick, and then he fell. So I think there's going to be either, either Bateman or Rondell Moore, both who I think are unbelievable prospects. I've, I will have first round grades on both of those players. Bateman and Moore are going to get slept on in this draft process. They're not too far behind. Moore is not too far behind in my mind of the Waddles and Smiths of the world. And Bateman is not too far behind of the chase of this world. I mean, they're not at that same level. But when you watch them play, they're unbelievable players. I think both of them actually. Big 10 bias right here. It might be big 10 <laughs> bias, but you'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll keep tabs that and you know i've actually been watching a little bit of elijah Moore, who people have put me on to who's also the miss kid unbelievable as well there's a lot of good receivers in this class and you're gonna have a much better chance at least in my mind of getting speed a little bit later in the draft than you are of getting that contested catchability that immediate red zone number one for the giants that i think pitts can be uh you know the, the strong hands of the catch point especially if you know listen I think Joe Judge, what he said is probably true. They're going to self-scout that offense. They're going to come up with a little bit of a different look next year, but it's still going to be pretty much the same thing. It's Jason Garrett's offense. He's not reinventing the wheel. It's very similar to what he ran back in the 2010s with Dallas. Mostly the same crap, except he added some zone read with Jones, and he did a little bit more RPO probably than he did in 2010, whenever he last coordinated that offense. But that means there's going to be a lot of slants. There's going to be a lot of curls. There's going to be a lot of quick game in this offense. And somebody like Kyle Pitts, I think, can be an immediate winner in that regard. I agree with that. And I think it's going to be interesting to evaluate that pick if they do go skill position 
at 11 yeah. what exactly they should do. I'm not sold on either way right now. I think all the Giants, they just need to add good football players who can make plays. Kyle Pitts is certainly one of them. Yeah, without a doubt. It's funny, when I watched the Florida tape, you, you mentioned Kadarius Tony. I love Tony in space. He chews up space. Like, it's incredible watching him. He actually reminds me a lot of Alvin Kamara. It doesn't remind me of any receiver. He reminds me a lot of Alvin Kamara with his contact balance and with his ability to kind of just, like, find weird angles and, and create create plays in small spaces. But I actually like Trayvon Grimes a lot, who I was watching. Number eight, he flashed to me a lot when I was watching Pitts. I thought, like, a lot of the time, at least in the games that I saw, he might have been the best player on the field outside of Pitts and above Tony in a lot of spots. So I was really intrigued by that. I know he's not really talked about much as any kind of, like, big-time draft prospect. He had a solid week at the Senior Bowl. Yes. I liked what I saw from a route-running per, uh, perspective. He's not the best athlete. I want to say he was highly recruited. Went to Ohio State first, then transferred to Florida, Trayvon Grimes this is. But the thing about Kadarius Tony that's interesting is Dan Mullen didn't use him to his fullest potential until his senior season. He was more of like a gadget player, and then he started using him more and more as a wide receiver this past year in 2020, and it was like, holy crap, this guy can really make plays, and he can really take the top off of defenses. But I like Trevon Grimes as kind of like an Austin Mack, if I'm going to be real. Yeah. And I, I don't really like making the comparison, but he was used in Dan Mullen's offense when he went in a tighter formation as the wide receiver that was motioned in to block the end man on the line of scrimmage on backside runs or on uh, frontside runs if it was a pitch outside. So they liked him as a blocker, and I thought he did a really good job, similar to Pitts adjusting to balls, but he doesn't have that top-end athletic ability that you're really looking for. But I think he'd be a good option on day three. But I'm wondering if the Giants already have somebody kind of familiar to him in Austin Mack yeah, already for on the sure. roster. I just, no, I, I don't think he's really an option for the Giants. I just thought it was interesting that he really did flash to me in the games that I saw. The one the one game against Alabama, and this might have been 2019, but he was squared up against Patrick Sertan uh, the second, and Kyle Trask put a ball up high, and Sertan was in beautiful coverage, but Grimes did an excellent job adjusting, jumping inside of where Sertan was, reestablishing his position while in the air, leapt up, secured the ball, and then took it to the house over Sertan. So that was a really nice play by Grimes, beating yeah. a top corner in the Just class. Just someone else to keep an eye on. But as far as Pitts goes, I think we're kind of in agreement here. I'm probably a little bit more excited about him than you, though you seem pretty excited as well about the opportunity, the potential of drafting a player like him. And ultimately what it comes down to Pitts is you can't compare him to Ingram. You can't compare him to Ebron. You can't compare him to really any of these tight ends who have gone high in the draft and who have ultimately not lived up to expectations because he's just a completely different player. Yeah, it would be unconventional, I think, because he is a quote-unquote tight end. But just because it hasn't been done before where somebody selects a quote-unquote tight end high and then kind of moves him to receiver, use him in somewhat of a unconventional way, doesn't mean it can't happen. We see that all the time in the NFL. There's a lot of new trends kind of being set by more innovative minds and kind of straying away from that old-school scouting mentality where it's like, oh, well, it's this rigid, and this guy is going to be, he says linebacker, so we have to play him at linebacker. No, if the guys can play safety, if you can rush off the edge like a Jeremiah wusu Kormota, you use him in those kind of ways so I, I think Kyle Pitts falls into that category as well yeah without a doubt all right Nick do we have any questions from the listeners before we wrap this Kyle Pitts profile up yeah we got one from Instagram our our buddy Insta Sean sent us to us from Victor Victor asks hey guys I was hoping you guys could talk about the basics between zone and man covered what are the differences zone and man coverages look 
first off, coverages are very, very complex, and there's many calls throughout coverages, and a lot of them are based on the alignment that the offense is in, a three-by-one set, two-by-two set. We're not going to get into all that because you could literally talk for hours about that. But essentially, if we're just going to go over the basics, man coverage is just tighter coverage. It means you're going to follow the man that you're in front of the entire time and maintain your leverage throughout the route, depending on whatever coverage you're in. It's based on what the safety is doing on the back end. If it's a cover one, typically, you're going to play outside leverage, forcing the guy inside. And there are a lot of rules that go along with what kind of leverage you're going to play. But essentially, man coverage is just much tighter coverage. You're going to run with the receiver wherever he goes and stick on him. Whereas zone coverage is you have spot drop zone, drop spot zone, whatever you want to call it, where you drop to a spot and then you're eyeing down the quarterback and you're taking on any routes that are coming within your zone. Then you have zone match, which is similar, only whenever a receiver runs into your zone, you're basically going to go into man coverage and you're going to match up on that player and then pass him off to the next zone if he's running a horizontal route or a vertical route or just stick to them like man coverage after the offense declares their route distribution. Then there's man match, which is similar to man coverage, only there are a bunch of rules built within man match defenses. So say if it's a three by one set and the number three receiver, so the innermost receiver runs to the flat, then the number one receiver is going to take that route. Basically, all of your rules are dependent on the route distribution of the offense. So say that number three goes to the flat, the one comes off, takes the number three defender originally over the number three would assume the number two's responsibility with safety help more than likely over the top against that specific offensive formation but there are so many different calls to kind of go over with that there's stump there's stubby there's clip there's there's tons for just three by one sets and you have these different kinds of defenses against every different offensive formation so basically just to kind of reiterate man coverage tight you're following the guy wherever he goes And zone is exactly what it sounds like. You're responsible as a defender for a specific zone on the field. And this is where high-lowing kind of comes in. You can high-low a zone. You can high-low a defender and put them into conflict because you can run someone to the flat and then you can run someone on a deep seven route. And if you have that flat, say, in a cover two defense, if you're the flat defender in zone as a cornerback, you're going to have to choose either to drive on that flat route or sink to seven route usually you're told to go after the most dangerous but you're put into conflict because there's two routes in your zone so that's what we mean when we say that so hopefully that gives you a little bit of an overview obviously if you want any further um clarification on zone versus man coverage or any of these concepts that we go over on this podcast just reach out to us via dm either on the instagram where you probably where victor actually hit us here or in our twitters anything like that we'll be happy to go over them and and link you off to some resources that can help you better understand the game because that's what we're trying to do we're trying to learn it more better understand it and deliver you the best possible takes that we have for now that's it for tonight's show on kyle pitts we will be back soon with another draft profile and then finally eventually news will start flowing in the giants will start having free agent rumors i can't wait for that time the free agency frenzy Um, but until then have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon